0: that don't believe in science, written on your forehead, always be denying. You're the dummy that don't believe in science, written on your forehead, always be denying. Hey, got words to say to you. ain't the words that they
1: would have seen. Welcome everybody to our episode. Will this be twenty
2: three? 23,
1: yeah. 23, yeah. Okay, so we are pre-recording this episode um, before its premiere in December, so I think it'll be episode 23 by the time it comes out. And we are so excited to have our guest, my friend Nahani Lukes, with us today.
2: (laughs) Since nobody's here to clap for you. (laughs) We'll clap for ourselves. Yes.
1: (laughs) Thank so, you. yeah, so Nahani is um, a family friend, and I guess, how did, because I met you after you had met my family.
0: Yeah, I was. I coached your uh, youngest sister skiing, and then I started, like, nannying and taking care of some of the other kids, and then your family was just so kind, you just invite me over to dinner, and <laughs> I just <laughs> felt like I got adopted. <laughs>
1: Yeah, for sure. I remember when I I went home over for some kind of break or whatever, and met you and and my mom just like raved about you. And I was like, Okay, I have to meet this girl. And I finally met you. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, she's fantastic. She is so stinking awesome.
0: Yeah, I was always excited to meet you too, because you have so many siblings. And they're all so fun. And then I kept being told that there was one that was my age. And I was like, I want to meet her. Where is she at? Yeah, yeah. It took a while. I think I knew your family for a few months before I met you, but it was great. At least, yeah. Yeah, maybe a year. Yeah.
1: Okay, well, let it, let's it. let jump into it then. Um, how was everybody's week this week?
2: Mine's been good. I'm still in Vegas. We're recording a day after we recorded our episode 20, so <laughs> I'm in Vegas for work. And uh, coming home tomorrow to see Celia, so excited about that. It's be gonna good. be
1: good. Nahani, <laughs> she and I, Julia and I, live together.
2: Yes, yeah, we're roommates. Yep, we're so, mostly half the time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're in Utah. Okay. See. Yeah. Yep. It's good. It's getting well. It was getting cold, and then we hit a weird warm front, and so it's been warm for the last 2 days which has been really nice but also there's a storm coming you can just feel it
0: yeah it's been raining a lot here i'm i'm in oregon and it's definitely wet definitely the the oregon that everyone thinks of is happening mm-hmm. right now um what part it. of
2: oregon are you in
0: i'm in southern oregon i'm outside of grants yeah. pass right now um kind of between grants pass and like the applegate valley Oh. Uh, cool. A little gem of Southern Oregon kind of off yeah. the
2: I. I'm from Seattle, so
0: yeah. I
2: uh, I love Oregon. I miss the Pacific Northwest.
0: <laughs> it's good to be back. I spent a long time in Colorado and it's just so dry. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> good snow, good skiing, uh, good people, but it's nice to be back here. For sure. So, how was your week, Celia? The
1: <laughs> week was good. my my few hours, my 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, um, It's been good. I took my math test. Um, I failed my math test. Oh, good. But, Snaps. Yep, yep. Snaps for failing <laughs> math tests. Love it. Um, I have to take a marketing test tomorrow. And we're going to do a cute little Friendsgiving um, with roommates, friends that have been social distancing. So it's going to be good. I am super Excited for this weekend and for my tests to be over. For my failed tests to be a thing of the past. (laughs) Just get through them. Yep. (laughs) How was your week, Nahani? How have you been?
0: Uh, It was good. I live in a little tiny house trailer and I've been renovating it with my boyfriend. And so I think he's having more fun with it than me because he has an excuse to buy tools that he's always wanted. <laughs> um but I'm like okay our house just keeps getting taken apart more um but I'm really grateful. you know I wouldn't really consider myself a minimalist because I have storage units in like three states um but I'm pretty minimal in terms of what I have on me mm-hmm. and so although my possessions are widespread I'm like wow it took us an hour to unpack our whole house that's a lot less than a lot of people would take. So I'm also getting those moments, those silver linings. Um, but yeah, we're just trying to winterize it a little bit better. So it's been an interesting, uh, interesting week. And I've been we're painting, cool. which I love to paint. So it's just painting boards, but it's still fun. And I'm getting inspired. I think I'm going to paint some ferns on the outside of the house once we're done with the renovation. Finish off. Nice. The decorative stuff. But we've had it for a year now and in Colorado I was thinking oh some kind of nature scene I can't really think of what and then we were in the southwest last spring and I was like oh cacti but then now I'm that I'm in Oregon I'm like ferns and I'm like I feel like no <laughs> I'm just gonna want to like repaint it but I think I'm pretty settled on ferns because this is like my homeland and I've been out on the coast a lot recently and there's a lot of ferns out there and I just feel so at home in them so I'm like okay this way when I leave home I'll for another time I will bring home with me a little more yeah nice
1: yeah that's so exciting I love that you that you guys are like renovating your tiny home and making it like winter adequate because I just that's definitely a big concern of mine because I've loved looking at those tiny homes and just I mean being from Colorado I just I look at things a little bit like okay but how does this work in the winter time and so I love that you're actually doing it and making it happen.
0: Yeah last winter we just went to the southwest so we didn't have to worry (laughs) quite as much and this year we're like okay we want to stay in the northwest how do we do that and honestly it's pretty well insulated our first night we bought the trailer we drove up to Steamboat this is about a year ago um and Oh, the first night we slept in it we had got it and we were already staying somewhere so the first night we slept in it we drove to, to steamboat and it was like negative 16 and we plug oh, no. it in because my friend had like given me their address and I couldn't find it so we just like went to a hotel and there was like a plug outside and we're like I don't care if they get mad at us I'm cold and in the morning they were like oh that's fine you guys stayed here before um and we're like oh perfect because we had stayed there a couple weeks before and so they actually just let us plug in for free but I mean I <laughs> that harsh first night, I was like, oh, it's really not that bad. Um, but our big thing now is, like, winterizing so it doesn't get moldy because a lot of the wood isn't treated. Mm. So honestly, it's not as much for cold as it's just so that it doesn't mold or rot or break down um, because it's more wet here. So it's kind of a wet winterizing as opposed to, like, the cold, cold, cold we had in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Just gotcha. lots of different kinds of winters gotcha. <laughs> we've been on the rainy coast and it's very it's really warm there like I left some of my potted plants over there because first of all it's raining I don't need to be there to water them and here it's been freezing at night some nights the coast it just doesn't really freeze but it's so so wet so um yeah I have a little bit of a traveling garden which has been my weird 2020 experiment of bringing potted plants all over the country with me, <laughs> which is fun. Um, I just pull into like an RV park sometimes, and or a campground, and people are like watching me unpack my plants, and they're like, "Oh, are you moving?" And I'm like, "No, I just live like this. I just bring my plants with me." I'm like, "Some people live in an RV with their children. I live in an RV with my plants. <laughs> Basically, <for> your children." <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: you, you yep, just still yeah. hot to pay for them as much
0: <laughs> right yeah and I, I have little snacks to eat and pretty flowers to hang out
1: with So exactly yeah. that's a win win <laughs> all the way definitely well cool so um, shall we jump into it do we have anything else we want to say
2: no okay, that's pretty much cool. it <laughs> quick Great. recap from us
1: Super quick recap, and so excited to get to our interview with Nahani today. Um, so, are you guys ready for my fun fact?
2: Yes. Um, oh, wait. Do we okay. need to say how we were eco friendly? Or are we going to talk about that today? Um, what Since did we do? did it yesterday.
0: <laughs> um, I can tell you that I'm with my renovation, I'm trying to be eco friendly and like reuse paint. So, I haven't bought any paint. I have a friend that works at a paint store and I asked him for a little bit and he said he's going to help me get some green paint for the ferns um and it cool. wasn't here about house paint but then I told my boyfriend's grandfather and he's like oh I have tons of latex paint in my basement and so I've I spent last week looking for paint so I didn't have to buy any this week and I felt really good about that especially with my boyfriend going out and getting all these cool new tools I was like that's where we should invest our money because he does a little bit of handyman work so that will just up his ability to help other people um, and whereas buying paint isn't really do anything for anyone else, so that was what I've been doing this week.
1: That's so yeah. awesome. That's I don't th- like that's something that I don't think about all the time because I'm like, oh, I need paint. Let me go buy paints instead of maybe asking around like I could and mm-hmm. seeing if other people have the stuff that I need.
0: Yeah, I yeah. can get into a little bit more of that later. I do some like community art projects, and I always try to source paint. Um, a lot of the paint stores will have prints and so those are cheaper or they'll I even have paint that people have brought in when they have extras because they'll take that paint for free and so depending on the manager sometimes they'll uh, even donate it to like a community project so that's pretty cool uh, in this Ooh. case it was just a family friend but um, still it, if you're doing a community project and uh, especially if you're doing it through a nonprofit but sometimes they don't even care uh, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome.
2: Usually my source of paint is my dad when I'm home. My dad um, works on houses sometimes. And so he has like tons of paint in our garage, just like from different projects that he's worked on. Um, And so like, if I ever need paint, not that I'm in Washington anymore, but when I was in Washington at one point, that would be my source. But that's a good idea to um, look at like local area or local stores for paint and and just around the neighborhood so I had no idea about that super cool
1: yeah.
2: Celia what you have do? you uh oh <laughs> you're, gonna, <laughs> you're gonna make me go first yep yep you go I'm still thinking. um I actually so yesterday I confessed that this week I had not been very good at um like focusing on last week my episode was about um the like eating out and how to be eco-friendly when eating out and since I travel for work so much I do a lot of eating out um and so I was trying to be more conscious about that today and um I did like a dine-in instead but then I just like took it to go so I used like less bags and less like utensils plastic utensils and paper and all that stuff so that's what I did to be eco-friendly this this day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> cool. That's awesome. I I've done nothing.
2: Hey, you didn't contribute to <laughs> the emissions that are in the air then.
1: True. That's true. I mean, I did I did eat out yesterday, um, and I saved the napkins. I saved the napkins from it instead of usually th- throwing them away that I usually do
2: nice good so, job thank you cool <laughs> um okay. all right now we can jump in sorry to digress from you're so excited that's about okay. your fun fact now you can dive into that
1: <laughs> you think that 23 episodes 21 episodes in I would have solidified to memory the format of what we do but it, every time it's just gone
2: that's okay me too. <laughs> okay.
1: So, my fun fact is from factorydirectpromos.com, which is the website that sounded a little sketchy um a few times ago, but I'm sharing a fun fact from it again. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yep. So, it says recycling creates 6 times as many jobs as tossing trash in landfills.
2: Dang. So, I'm not surprised though. It makes sense. Yeah. I
1: think it's I think it's really cool that I mean I don't know. I feel like there's a counter argument, like an, a very uneducated counter argument that people make that oh no, recycling takes takes away from jobs. And it's like, well, no, I think because you have people who need to collect, you have people who need to sort, you have people who need to dispose of the things that have been contaminated and there's all kinds of different recycling pieces. And so instead of just like taking trash to point A or point B, you know, it's, it's a little bit more intense than that.
0: I think it's, let us live like a dirty job too. I don't know if you guys used to watch dirty jobs, but I used to love that (laughs) show. I love that. Like trash is more of a dirty job because you have everything all mixed together. And with recycling, things are sorted. And so, People are mostly working with like plastic or maybe they're sorting between metals and plastics that are together, but I can see mm-hmm. it creating more jobs and better jobs that people are more willing to do. Mm-hmm. And they might just also have this association, whether they came into it or not, they might be like, Oh, I'm doing more good for the world than just like, wow, I see everyone's stuff go by them every day um, yeah. get more to their job, which I think, I think that's a big thing. Like they can create more jobs, but if people don't want to do them, not that helpful so I think it's important that when we create jobs to like create jobs that have purpose for people not necessarily Mm -hmm. specific people you don't have to design it but just have an opportunity where people can find a sense of purpose in their work
1: Mm -hmm. For for sure and like
0: I feel like there's a
1: big there's just a big stigma about like being like being a trash collector and I feel like I mean for myself I would definitely be more incl- if I had to pick between the two I would definitely go for being like working for a recycling plant versus being a trash collector and yeah, so that- I think if we were to make like it, us as a as a world as a community if we moved towards that direction of having more recycling plants like having better recycling plants that can accept more items then we create jobs and we give people that opportunity to
2: choose. Agreed. I think it's cool how, um, I feel like there's a lot of things that like sustainable industries, like just in general do tend to create a lot of jobs, you know? Um, mm-hmm. like I'm thinking like for reuse or renewable, renewable energy. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's a lot of job opportunity in that we had Tyler on a couple months ago talking about the opportunities there um, with that. And so I just, I think that's just kind of another cool factor, kind of like Nahani was saying, like there's so much good about all of these sustainable things. And then to add to it, like the, the value that you feel as a worker in those industries um, is, is good. I think, in my personal, in Julia's humble opinion.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I like your, uh, I think it's okay to source uh, random facts from like any website. And I like the fact that Mm -hmm. you just like said where you got it from. I think that that's like what's important in the world. Um, Because if you just, you know, it's like in school, cite your sources, then it's okay if that source was wrong. You're not wrong because you explained where you got that information from, so True, I and it sounded like a pretty good map, But I wouldn't worry about their source as long as <laughs> where you got it from. So they're in trouble, not you, if it's wrong. Yep.
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll take it's that.
0: Really- <laughs> it's, not,
2: it's not our fault for digging deeper. It's their fault for giving us the wrong facts. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Exactly. Well, I'm going to take that honey
2: and run with it.
1: <laughs> do it. Take it. It's what not because I did <laughs> It's not because I didn't click to the second page of Google. No, no, no. That's not my fault.
2: <laughs> you wrong. Hey, we've already established on this podcast that the second page of Google is not um, useful in any way, so... <laughs>
0: I think the only time I go multiple pages is like Google Scholar when I have like a 10 required cited sources and then I have to go to page two or three. Right, right. (laughs) for Google, yeah, I think most people really just click on the first couple options. Oh, yeah. That's pretty normal. Yep.
2: All right. Well, I've got a world update for you guys. Um, Updates. So I got my... Speaking of citing sources, I got mine from enn.com, not CNN, not to be confused with that. It's ENN. Um, And this is actually um, about Utah. So, sorry, Utah, you're going to get added again on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I think we've kind of briefly talked about this in our episodes sometimes, um, but the way that Utah, um, just like the geography of Utah, um, the Utah Valley is literally a valley of mountains, right? And so it kind of creates this perfect pocket, um, that makes it extra vulnerable, to build up, um, like, emissions from vehicles or household heating or power production or, like, anything, really, Um, even, even, like, if there's forest fires around, the smoke from those forest fires kind of build up in the valley, Um, and so the University of Utah did a study on, kind of, like, the effects of this air pollution and this, um, in this valley, where it's kind of, like, a special pocket of a special quote unquote pocket of pollution um where they found out that it actually shortens the life of a utah by about two years because of all of the pollution that builds up in the valley so Good news. I'm wanting to get out of Utah anyways. (laughs) Good news. Okay, so it makes
1: me wonder like how much time do you need to spend in the valley for it to dock you two years? Like you've been here in Utah for like four years? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah? Probably. So is that enough time for it to take two years off of your life?
0: Um I'm guessing that they can only just like throw my two cents in that they can only use yeah. those statistics based on like elderly people in the community. So maybe they have people aren't living as long there by on average. And then they're taking that into account there and probably also taking other factors into account. And then when you take out all those other factors compared to another place, the age mm-hmm. difference for like length of life, but I still don't know how that works because somebody who's in their eighties hasn't been exposed to it their whole life, so that would still be like elderly people being more vulnerable. So that is a good. Yeah, question. I don't think, I think I it, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
2: I uh, I think that they were looking at like like Nahani said there were there's like a lot of factors that kind of play into all of it, right? Um, but they were mostly. Or they were, like, comparing, like, time lived in Utah um, to, like, length of life as well. So they were kind of also comparing that relationship there. So the longer you spend in Utah, the shorter your life is going (laughs) to (laughs) be. So basically, but, get out of Utah. No, that wasn't the point of the <laughs> world update. The point was was that, especially in a you know in a ge- geographic location like Utah Valley, um, we need to work towards better solutions to energy because in areas like that, where it's extra vulnerable to build up. Um, If you are reducing um, like emissions, then you're going to, there's not going to be as much buildup. Right. Um, And so that was kind of the point. It wasn't to get out of Utah, but (laughs) the point was to just, especially in Utah or places like Utah, because Utah isn't the only place like that, um, But Utah is just a very easy example, I think, where a lot of there's a lot of cities in between the valleys here in Utah. Um, And so um, I think for that reason, uh, they were doing that experiment here. So, yeah, that's my world update (laughs) in Utah.
0: I feel updated. Perfect opportunity for, you know, the geography there is unique, but then. If that's really affecting people like that, then maybe Utah will be a leader in eliminating that in a city. You know, the potential silver lining. Yeah, maybe. I'm very optimistic sometimes.
1: (laughs) Same, same. It's hard to be both optimistic and realistic. Because, let's be honest, is anyone going to do anything about it? I don't really know, but I'd love to... I'd love to see them rise to the occasion and you know, be the leader.
2: <laughs> maybe maybe the governor is listening to our podcasts right now and is like, Wow, we should really do something about this.
1: <laughs> you know what? I think I think he's listening. I think
2: he is. Hello <laughs> Hello, Governor of Utah. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Even if it's twenty fifty and it's a long time away and you're just listening it to old recordings. <laughs> We are in 2020. We are still in the worldwide pandemic. Do you remember that? (laughs) Do you remember? Although the governor
1: might not even be born yet.
2: (laughs) Oh, wow. Yikes. (sighs) Or maybe he's a pandemic born baby. That's true. (laughs) You were birthed during this pandemic.
0: I've heard pandemic about that. I guess there's been a lot of home births this year. And so it's really kind of being a big uh, changing the the dynamics around the belief system at hospitals for how we should birth children because so many people are doing it at home with midwives this year that Mm -hmm. the hospitals are like, oh, home births aren't the worst thing ever. And I was a home birth. So I'm a little bit of an advocate for like, not all babies born at home like die or get sick or, have huge problems. Um, and some a midwife recently explained to me that the reason that a lot of doctors might have a bias towards that is because home births that go well, the child doesn't have to go to the hospital. And so the ones that go bad go to the hospital. So a lot of doctors, the only time they see a home birth is when there was a problem. So in their mind, everyone, all of them are a problem because that's all the ones they get to witness. So I was like, oh, that's why. And so this year it's different. Um, People are looking at the statistics and going, wow, a good percentage of people are having home births. A lot of them are surviving. Um, especially I think when someone wasn't planning for that, their whole pregnancy, but suddenly this summer they were like, I don't want to go to a hospital. Um, they might've gotten three midwives instead of just one. And my mom had multiple midwives and she really advises for that, um, to have more than one. And, you know, maybe one that has more medical training, one that has more doula kind of bedside table training or, um, just variation so that if you can connect with one over one thing and something else over someone else, uh, something else with someone else, So yeah, that's another little interesting fact of 2020. Uh, Our birth system in this country is getting a little bit of a push for change. And I think there's going to be more birthing centers in the future that are just focused on that.
2: That's so so interesting.
0: (laughs) I actually, um,
2: if you have listened to this podcast multiple times, you will know that I'm a big Bachelor fan. Um, But one of the um couples on from the Bachelor series, they just had a baby and she gave birth in their bathtub in their house. And she like did those huge long posts about like how it was and everything and like she was super advocating for it. And so I like wouldn't have even thought about that until like you brought it up. I just thought it was kind of like different and unique. But that totally makes sense that from covid a lot of people probably aren't wanting to go to hospitals while they're pregnant so
0: that makes sense
2: (laughs) or can't because like new york is overrun with people and other places so yeah
0: what they're doing is a lot of the like okay here's your time slot and we're gonna shoot you up with drugs to get your baby out of that time slot and people are like i want to go into labor i want it to be natural and i think I can't say that the doctors are saying, well, that do it at home. But I think there's a little bit of this like undertone. Yeah. uh, No, if you want us to deliver your baby, it's going to be very. uh, And I don't know that I wasn't reading into that, but that's my guess is that it's very um, to a schedule and that's not how Mm -hmm. birth really goes. And I really think that, you know, hospitals should be for like sick people and births. bringing life into the world in a place where uh people are sick doesn't make sense (laughs) so uh movement for more birthing centers that are just focused on that and have more um you know doctors that are trained in those specific surgeries and those specific uh not even just surgeries
2: like processes yeah yeah cool (laughs) (laughs) super tangent but I love it it's important to 2020
1: (laughs) that's something that I had never even considered before and even just this like brief 10-minute conversation about it I'm just like "Hmm, I wonder if like that's something that I should really consider in the future I think that's really cool
0: That creates jobs too you know there's uh for people to be caretaking mothers and their children and building relationships with the mothers before the child's born. um, And then being able to be there for the child. I think that that's a huge movement for community development that will really promote wellness in communities, which is something I'm all about. So not too much of a tangent. sure.
1: Yeah. it, It all connects. It really does. Always. Cool. Okay. Well, Is that, are we ready to move on to the interview section of our episode?
2: (laughs) Yes, I love how we have to announce, because otherwise we'll just keep jumping around. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you never know. So, like, I have cut people off before, and I just want to make sure
1: it is out in the open. We are moving on.
2: (laughs) I'm good. I'm ready.
0: Cool. Okay. Nahani, the floor is yours. Ah, hello. Hello. I'm Nahani, you've heard me talk already some, but I uh, grew up in Oregon and that's where I am now. And I've traveled a pretty good amount for someone uh, of my age, I'm 24. And I originally went to college for outdoor education, because I had this really big passion for bringing people into nature. I grew up in nature. I was raised by a naturopathic doctor and uh, a botanist uh, activist and they both brought me out of nature a lot and they're very eco-friendly I still look up to both of them in their ways of doing that I feel like such a modern uh, almost like rebelling against them is like to go out to eat fast food because they don't do that they're just very um I don't know there isn't a buy the book for eco-friendly but In my world, it's both my parents and they're not together, but they're separate worlds of ways of doing that. Um, So I had this big dream of like one day studying wilderness therapy as a master's degree and like bringing people into nature in this therapeutic way. But I had a big uh, flip of the coin a couple years ago and I realized there isn't really room for everyone in the world to go on a hike at the same time (laughs) and (laughs) that I... And I had a, I guess it was a few years ago that I started getting really into like regreening the city and bringing, um, you know, natural landscapes back into our cities and our homes and our yards. But more recently, I realized, okay, I also have to kind of walk away from this big dream of outdoor education and wilderness therapy. Maybe not forever, but for now, I've been now studying horticultural therapy, which is um, like using gardening as a therapeutic activity. And that's pretty close to my um, where I grew up. I grew up in the garden as much as I grew up out in the wilderness nature. And so I've been really into designing landscapes for a while now. But I really, for me, it's been healing for a lot of reasons. And I wanted to help share that with other people. So I was talking a little bit at the beginning about. Art projects, and so I have led some art projects with a friend's um, organization. The their nonprofit, it's called Permaculture Action Network, and they lead um, these gardening and community projects. They travel with organizations, and witnessing, or sorry, they travel with musicians. Their organization does, and they kind of have hubs around the country of different people that are part of it, and. I just bopped into a few different ones in different places. I was able to bring my father to one before he passed and like show him my work and what I was into. And that was really important for me. I didn't really realize it at the time, but in hindsight, I was like, wow, I got to show him like what I was into. He was from Northern Chicago. The project was in Southside, Chicago. And he's like, I'm in my fifties and I never came to this part of Chicago because at five years old, I was told that I would get shot if I came here. And here I am. And he's like, I have no friends in this whole city. And I just made friends in this city. Um, Like he never liked growing up even in Northern Chicago. And so getting to like see that paradigm shift for him um, was really beautiful. And he was like, wow, you mean on the South side, they like to do what I like to do my whole life, like garden and do all these things. And I was like, yeah, you know, and he watching my own dad, like take a step out of his shell and, um, realized that he had adopted these, you know, biases that his parents were, you know, that's what the times told them. But I really think that both art and gardening can facilitate um, community development. So I worked on some art projects with them in different places. Uh, Like I was saying, I would source the art or source the paint for the projects, from, you know, try to get it to be donated from leftover paint from other projects. And I did that for a few small projects in Colorado as well. And we'd be painting plants because I love to paint natural things. So I'm a big uh, art person. I wouldn't say I do a lot of art right now because I'm in school, but I do some. And so I really think that community development... Uh, has to be centered around things that we have in common with other people. It's totally valuable and really important to sit down with people when there is differences and conflict and sort those out. But I don't think we develop community by sitting down at the table and talking about how different people are and how different people's experiences are. I think that that's more conflict resolution. And if you want to build community, you have to start with what people have in common. And we all eat, we all poop, we all sleep. And we don't all know where our food comes from. And so not that we all need to start instantly sourcing all of our food locally, um, but also if we start to learn about those processes. And I know you guys talked about that on a couple of your episodes. I really liked that. And you're talking about composting too, and all that made me so happy. Um, And I think having people come together over something like gardening, whether it's socially actually physically getting together or just a community garden plot where different people are all working the land. It's healing for people, whether they intended that or not. And I think that's really beautiful um, because we're doing what our ancestors did not that long ago. We really haven't been a very industrial world for that long. And I think it really connects us with our past and it connects us with our future because we have to take care of the planet um, so with something like composting, for example, you guys talked a little bit of, well, you talked a lot about composting, but I was thinking of the part where you guys talked about like, how composting is necessary, um, because there's so much waste, like food waste. But from the other side of it, from the farmer's perspective, um, that level of waste, Farmers aren't sad, just like, oh, it's so sad that all the things I grew didn't get eaten. They're also really sad to know that when that stuff isn't eaten, it's going to a landfill and not being composted because their topsoil is flying away. They're paying a lot of money for compost or they're making it themselves. And I know a lot of farmers that have to go to local restaurants or choose to to get their food scraps, and then they compost it themselves because that's cheaper than buying commercial compost or manure. And so from the farmer's perspective, compost is really important. Like by composting in your backyard or your apartment, you're helping indirectly, but you're helping the movement that that farmers really need to be able to um, farm organically, regeneratively and and sustainably because they're struggling to keep um, their soil high quality when people are taking 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 the food that they make and then they're having to dump chemicals on it to make up for it because those food waste and that food scraps isn't going back into the earth and that's what naturally happens in nature and we could go into a whole rabbit hole of like how our own personal waste. the same thing is kind of happening I have a little bit of like one of my biggest issues with society is the fact that we poop in drinking water but that's like a really big thing that we can't just change instantly and I actually really respect that so I'm not on some quest to change that but I think it's a really good like thinking point for people to be like oh you know if someone feels like they are really poor or like really underprivileged Um, it's a good step back to be like, okay, I poop and drinking water. So I must have, you know, I at least live in a society that's doing pretty well. And why am I not doing well within this society? As opposed to um, wanting to like blame some bigger picture, because it's a sign of development. It's a sign that we've gotten somewhere successfully. And when I talk about living like our ancestors did, um, we don't have to, you know, I think we're trying to like relearn these skills that they took a long time to um, figure out slowly in a system of like people died off if they didn't figure out how to garden because they and farm. Whereas today we have the privilege of like, if our garden doesn't go well, we can go to the supermarket and buy food. So like this is a great time that even if you've never gardened before and you think it's going to fail, go ahead and try for it because this isn't life or death if it goes or not. Um, And it's a process. And we really we learn about ourselves through it. We learn about nature. There's a lot of opportunity for like metaphors. And I think that that's really valuable. And again, like we just all have nature in common. So if you meet someone um, in some random situation, and your first instinct is like, I don't think I have anything common with this person. You know, people talk about like talking about the weather is like this. Anyone can talk about the weather with someone else. Well, if we all gardened, we could all also talk about our gardens matter who we are and what our past is. And that's really important to me. And I want to share this term that I learned in school. It's biophilia. And it means like love of life is a good way to describe it. Um, Like think of like phobias and then philia is like loving something instead of being afraid of it. And bio is life. And we talk about that in horticultural therapy in terms of like people's natural connection with nature. Oh, and the term was uh, coined by E.O. Wilson, a really renowned biologist. And it sort of speaks to this idea that we're all have a connection with nature, whether we're aware of it or not. And that if we tap into that, we'll nurture ourselves, we'll nurture the planet. And I'm a big believer that like being sustainable and eco-friendly isn't a you know, it can be a battle against like some social norms, but overall, you don't have to choose between like being a good citizen and being sustainable and taking care of the planet. Like they all go together. And that's really beautiful. And to me, that's a good sign that you're on the the right path. Um, And you're, you know, you're not really going to hurt anyone, especially if you acknowledge that you don't, you know, you're not perfect and no one is. And so seeking out techniques to be sustainable for me is always rooted in like nutrition and gardening but that's also like where I came from um, because my parents cooked out of the yard and stuff like that and my mom's a naturopathic doctor and herbalist so I always drank a lot of herbal teas and big believer that like natural medicine is really like the people's medicine and it's not Uh, it's not one or the other. You don't like go to doctors or you go to alternative doctors. Like I don't really like that term alternative medicine because to me, it's like complementary medicine. Uh, I've taken antibiotics in my life. I've taken, like, I'm not completely against them. And yet I was still raised by a a woman who didn't take me to the doctor when some other parents might have because she had these other techniques. And I just think it's really important to think about You know, the food, my mom was a big believer and still is, of course, um, that like our food is our medicine. And I think that's really valuable because it's the first stage of preventative care. And I'm being optimistic here when I think that everyone uh, is eating better this year because they're probably all not. But I know that I know people that are eating better because they're afraid to get sick and they don't know any other way to prevent it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really valuable. Uh, I don't think that's everyone, but I think there is a certain amount of people that are like, oh, I have no idea how to prevent this. The best thing I can do is get exercise and eat well and wash my hands. And I just think, well, that's all common sense. That's what I've been told my whole life. Um, But I also know that I've been really privileged to have um, a healthcare provider and a holistic healthcare provider as a parent. Um, But my little plug is like farmer's markets, CSAs, That's community supported agriculture. So you sign up for like a box of food from a local farmer. And what you do is you pay like six months, three months, a year in advance. It really depends on who it's through. Um, But you're giving the money right to the farmer. And then you don't know exactly what you're going to get, but they give you what's available. And generally they have some things on, you know, in the back just in case, but they'll just, whatever they harvest fresh. And I just think it's a great way to get to know your local farmers. There's pretty much CSAs in every city the farmers drive it in from the countryside. Um, and I think there's some good websites for searching those. I don't exactly know, but I think you can just put in like your town and community supported agriculture and try to figure it out. And I think that's one of the best ways. Um, when I think about being eco-friendly, at, you know, all organic food isn't necessarily eco-friendly, especially as big commercial stores start selling more organic that's coming from the exact same companies that also commercially grow food which is fine i eat that food too i'm a college student like (laughs) don't feel bad don't guilt yourself about what you eat because we don't want to create like eating disorders around uh like quality of food and sources of food that's not healthy either we i really think that like promoting um a, a diet of like a serve you know we're not surviving here. We're, well, we are, (laughs) we're not in (laughs) a mentality of like, Oh wow. I haven't eaten in three days. And there's some berries on this bush. And like, should I eat it or not? Like life or death? Like you're not going to die if you go buy, uh, you know, commercial food. We all know that it's all amazing and great. It's good food. It's available readily. And I think there, we should have a lot more gratitude around that. And so I see a lot of people when they get their hands in the dirt and they garden, just, you know, you give them some seeds to plant or you show them how, and someone's like, their whole mind just starts going. They're like, Whoa, where's my food come from? You don't have to even ask them those questions. And to me, that's really, really valuable. I think we all have that biophilic uh quality in ourselves, and we should be uh cultivating it, watering it. Yeah. <laughs> so I okay. think too. Oh, I was just gonna add,
2: I think, too, like, if you're, um, like, thinking more about where your food comes from, then, you know, you're kind of just naturally going to lean into more, like, healthier, local, fresh food, as opposed to, like, I mean um I I'm guilty of eating ramen but like as opposed to like ramen packets you know like because you're you're thinking about it more like I don't know where the ramen comes from you know like there's a lot of things that are in it that I don't know where it comes from but um
0: you and know if I'm too, like adding local vegetables to your ramen that's great right. that. yeah um, like that's, yeah. that makes it a better meal for you. It's better for the community that ramen. I, I don't think it came from like slave trade. I like to think that ramen's just cheap, reasonable food and it's just being shipped here in huge packages. And that's why it's so cheap. Um, and not, you know, it's, it's not some illicit drug that went through some like terrible slave trade. <laughs> like, you know, I, I don't feel right. like I have to go myself to that level. Like, um, and so I think that there's, yeah, it's about balance. and It's about figuring out how can we, you know, respect ourselves and the planet in the same way. And like that give and take and not being too hard on ourselves and not being hard on the planet either. Like, Oh, how dare you have climate change and like be mad at us. And it's like, well, you know, there's a lot of shifts and everything all the time. Anyways, let's roll with the punches. No matter. I'm not, I, I've witnessed a lot of like blame and pointing fingers in my life. And I'm a big advocate for like, does it matter whose fault it is? It's about like, you know, let's all like work together and fix what's going on. And, uh, oh, a really key point I can speak to that about is that I am a big believer that we are on this planet to like steward this land and take care of it. And I think that's really like a root of my philosophy. Um, There's a lot of, different philosophies in the world and throughout history about like humans relationship with nature. And it's a whole wormhole to dive into, but there's belief systems that are like this planet's ours for the taking and we can just extract, extract, extract. And then there's a lot of um, philosophies and ways of life that are like, okay, we need to leave nature exactly as it is. And we need to just take minimum and try to like, uh, you know, leave no trace kind of thing but I'm a pretty big proponent of a balance between that and like stewarding the land because um, so really great book I recommend is this, uh, the hidden life of trees. I always mix that up. There's also the secret life of plants and the secret wisdom of plants. There's all these great books, but the hidden life of trees um, is by this German gentleman. And it talks about how, trees and nature. Um I can't even get into it. It's just amazing. Just read it. But anyway, <laughs> a little fact it. No, I want to. On average, each tree only has about one seedling. One of its seeds will grow up to be a full-size tree on average. Um, some will have more, but most tree, a majority of trees only will have like one and like a few will have two, maybe three if their seeds spread really well, that's different for other plants, but for trees, especially they might have a bunch of little saplings around them, but until that tree falls, none of those are going to shoot up to be as tall as their mom. They're all little like babies of that tree. And when that mom does fall, they're going to all compete to get up there. And really only one's going to be able to take over out her crown, You know, take over that space in the top canopy and uh this gentleman uh has experience he's a forester who wrote this book and so he the best way to describe it is that he like talks to the trees I don't understand how he like it's so intuitive but it's very scientific too he cites other things but there's a lot it speaks about um like his connection with the plants and what he believes that they want but it's really fascinating because that was a really like it flipped that little switch in me of like, no, I do believe that we're here to like take care of this land. And that we're not at some point of like, if we keep existing, this planet has to be destroyed, um, is going to be destroyed. I I really don't believe that. I think that we're just learning hard lessons about how to uh, take care of the land and how we can nurture it and be nurtured by it because it's like a give and a take. And so if we collect some of those seeds, and we walk to the edge of the forest and we plant them, that tree might have like several baby trees. But I think uh, it has to be done in like a slow, intuitive way. We can't just like grab up all the trees and spread them across the whole field. Um, Like each one should be done with intention. Um, Whatever that intention is, just to plant a tree. That's your intention. Um, But I think I'm especially more recently in my life a big proponent of like slow living movements whether it's like slow food or slow traveling um I really like my RV for that reason I think people think that I just like mob around the whole country but I really don't we'll drive like two hours and like park and go for a hike and then drive another hour and camp stay for a week like do some other thing. like we don't I don't know all last winter we didn't really go very far in the whole winter Uh, And I think that that was a really good reflection for me to be like, oh, I needed to sit with these places. I needed to think of and self-reflect in them. And I think nature can really facilitate a lot of transformation and it doesn't really deny your belief system. You can go sit under a tree and that tree isn't going to be like, get up, get out of here. You don't believe what I believe. And not that that happens exactly in society all the time, but we get those, you know, we're all very intuitive. And I think that nature just, if you're willing to sit under a tree, it's going to be there for you. And it probably get a little wooey, but I think it will talk to you too, if you listen. Um, so yeah, read that book. Uh, that Not it everything so from that, but it really like sparked this thing in me to like, believe what I've always believed my whole life that, nature loves us as much as I love nature and people love nature. And also another good book is what a plant knows talks about how plants communicate. Um, it's a little bit, uh, it's like overlaid. So they talk about like sight and vision or, you know, that's the same thing, hearing and touching. And one of my favorite things out of that book was like, if when an animal bites a leaf, the leaf, can actually, like, collect some of that saliva and, like, knows it's different predators. And then that's how plants have evolved to, like, be wary of some predators. And so there's a lot of amazing research going on right now. I get overwhelmed because I'm still studying, like, I do these projects at school that are like, design this activity for planting this lavender with people. And I'm like, but I want to go dive into the research of how plants talk to each other underground. And my (laughs) teacher's like, that's all in the early stages. And, you know, that can be your passion work and you're, you know, you're going to do a master's degree in something like that. But we're here to learn how to facilitate activities in a therapeutic way, which I'm really enjoying. (laughs) But uh, all I really want to do is just nerd out on all that stuff and like go... I've never in my life been like, oh, okay, I'm going to write down that cited resource and like go look that up, like just totally free for all when there's no assignment. Like I'll do that occasionally. (laughs) But normally I'm just like, oh, here's my article. I'm going to cite it well. And oh, maybe I'll go find one more of these. But in things like that, I just I geek out because I'm like, I just believe that we're here to nurture the planet and each other and really the community development. in a sustainable way is something that nurtures us too. We don't have to, we shouldn't have to sacrifice to do like community work. And I see so many people doing that. They're just like drained from helping their community. And it's beautiful that they work so hard, but I just think, you know, if we had more beautiful spaces for them to do their work in and for them to meet in, that people wouldn't be so drained doing so much community work. Um, because it's beautiful. I don't think those people should stop, but I don't think they should feel so drained. And something like a garden in a community brings people together, or a plant in an office, something to talk about, something to look at, uh, something to remind you that you're part of this planet, not just part of the boxy house you sit in (laughs) or (laughs) build it. Yeah, that was a little bit of a ramble, but if you have any questions... um, Ooh. Last thing, the word culture is very fascinating to me. I don't know if this is exactly like truly definition, but I've heard in a lot of sources that the word culture comes from the same root of like, well, obviously, I guess, but cultured food. So like our culture is like community, right, is a good, reasonable definition of culture. Um, But then like in our stomachs, we have our microbiome and that's a community. And so when we eat cultured, like fermented foods, um, we're like feeding the community in our stomach because those are um, probiotics. And so I love that. And so I like this concept of like internal and external landscapes. We talk about it in horticultural therapy, too, of there's a parallel. So like when you work the land outside, you're working the land of like the landscape in your mind and you're watering the garden of your mind when you water outside. And sometimes the opposite too. Sometimes if you just sit back and read a book, that's like, you know, watering your mind with knowledge. And you're also going to like help take care of the planet because you just sit there and read a book instead of like watch TV, which really all this technology does use a lot of energy, which comes from we don't always know exactly uh, unless you have solar panels on your roof. You don't know exactly where your energy came from or unless you've researched your local community. So I love that concept of uh, paralleling landscapes inside of us and outside of us. And it's a really great start for like wormholing yourself into metaphors with nature. <laughs> Thank That's you. so cool. You've definitely
1: like... You've given me so much to think about that, like, my mind is seriously just blown, like, completely blown by everything that you've said today.
2: Same. I, really I want to go, it. like, read a book under a tree right now.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm glad you have. You feel that way. <laughs> but another so really good activity I, I- recommendation. Oh, sorry. Another good activity recommendation I oh, have good. is, like, flower pressing and leaf pressing because it's super easy um and you can in the depths of winter like pull out a little bit of summer out of a book and be like ah it's July for 30 seconds (laughs) I'm a really big advocate of flower pressing um, leaf pressing uh my teacher just taught me this really cool thing don't maybe there's not ferns where you are I don't really know but the tip of a fern if you dry it can look like a Christmas tree and so then you like dry ferns the top of them and then you can glue it onto a card and then like decorate it and I was like I'm doing that this year that's so cool and so I just like learned all these I things yeah buy so cool. gifts locally small businesses like Amazon doesn't need your holiday money I'm a big advocate like if you want to save the world um buy your holiday gift, this time of year, buy your holiday gifts small. I want Amazon to be like, what happened? Why did no one buy gifts? (laughs) I don't think that's really going to happen. But I think that if we all shouted at each other and we all advocate, (laughs) share on social media um, resources, be like, hey, this is great for this. This is great for this. Buy these gifts. You know, we really have to do publicity for one another. And yeah, I also
2: heard like, especially... You know, with with COVID and everything, and a lot of small businesses are really struggling right now because, you know, they, in some parts, they have to limit the capacity of people that are coming in. Um, in other parts, just kind of like, even if there's no limit to it, they're probably getting less business because people are trying to stay at home more. Um, and so I have also seen that a few times of just like, make sure you shop locally if you can for um you know Christmas gifts whatever this time of year because the local businesses really need
0: your help to stay alive so they'll be gone in 2021 if they don't make money in the next couple months because like January and February is pretty dry especially for tourism even if they made it through this summer and if you are staying home and you really can't you don't feel like you can even go to your local stores at least buy from small scale like artists online that are selling their art and buy some mm-hmm. art prints for friends and have it. Th- a lot of the times those people will ship it like directly to your friends and family. They don't have to ship it to you and you have to resend it. You know, there's all these yeah. ways of buying, um, you know, so local is awesome. But then if you're not going to be local, you don't have to go straight to Amazon. You can still buy Etsy. from small scale. Etsy. Exactly. I really hope that Etsy is like the go-to for people's Christmas shopping this year. I mean, I'm sure Black Friday is going to be a bit of a Black Friday and all these websites are going to have deals. But I hope that because so many people are at home, they're going to really think a little bit more or just make some, you know, Christmas presents too. I know that sounds way easier, but like if you are stuck at home and uh, especially like for me, I will be done in school in a couple weeks. So I'm really going to try to like make some things myself. Um, Not everything, but just one gift, homemade one gift this year, if you've never or not a homemade gift giver, you know, Uh, I love those like pack jars where you like pack um, all the ingredients for something. I don't know how like COVID that is right now, because you're like sticking your hand in the jar. But at the same time, if it sits on a shelf for a while, it's probably fine. Um, (laughs) I think this year people are really gonna. It's a big reminder of what matters is the the thought that you know that you someone thought of you and not what they yeah. bought you. So yeah, good little chat.
1: For sure, for sure. So okay, so I have a question. Yeah. Um, what? Actually, I have a lot of questions. I have a ton <laughs> of questions for you. So no. we'll see if I can dig through them and find what I really want to ask. Um, so I guess before we kind of switch gears, do you have, is Etsy kind of your go-to site? Do you have any artists, like online stores that you know of that you like 10 out of 10 would recommend people go check out? Or is it just kind of whatever you can find and you can support, go for it?
0: I would say Etsy is a really good place to start. It's a pretty navigatable website. Um... I don't have any like specifically because I would want to think a little bit more about who I chose to like talk about because um, I feel like I know a lot, but I also feel like I would like say their names wrong and stuff like that. Um, uh-huh. I like Etsy because you can like have conversations really easily with the creators and a lot of them are mm-hmm. willing to do like custom stuff or just willing to like answer questions about it. And I really like that. I think it, it's a, it's a feature that really makes it personal. Cool. Okay, that's good to know then because yep, we're getting into the
1: holiday season and I I feel like I feel like personal like handmade gifts from artists, they're a lot more personal, even if you didn't personally make it. And I know like, for me like, I'm not I'm not a huge artist, like I like doing little art projects, but I'm not a huge artist and I feel like if I were to sit between something on Amazon and something on Etsy, I feel like the Etsy thing is more meaningful just because it was, it was handcrafted a lot. Like artists put love into their pieces and you can, you can feel it. I can feel it. I think it's great.
0: And you're building community. I think it's important to remember that like community doesn't mean that everyone knows each other really well. A community is a network of people. And so by networking um you know, you're, you're that person, that artist community has expanded. It's not their like friendships, but their business community. And when you're a local, like handmade artist, handmaking project artist, you're every, every single person that buys from you is part of your like community more so than like Amazon does not consider people like part of their community when you're buying one, you know, they offer you a pro membership if you don't have one, like, join our inner circle. You'll be so cool and taken care of, but they don't, you call up. They're not like, Hey, how's it going today? I know you like, and that's fine. I think that Amazon, I mean, I love being able to get a textbook in two days when my teacher's like, Hey, the assignment's due in three days and here's your syllabus. And I'm like, what? So, I mean, I'm (laughs) not, I don't never use Amazon. And I like, I buy things there occasionally, but I do really try to, um, get stuff from smaller businesses and sometimes I totally am guilty of using Amazon to like source out like different sources of things like I was showing you these potted like plant things and like I totally found this company on there and then I just went to that company's website and was like hey I'm trying to buy like a bulk order of these and then they offered me a deal even cheaper than Amazon because they knew if I bought them through Amazon they're already selling for that bulk price to Amazon uh, for their like wholesale rate, and then Amazon's charging full price—the same that this website had on there—and so by offering me like ten percent off, they're still making more than if I buy it through Amazon. Um, and so, smart. I'm guilty of like using that as a place to search for things, and then go find those websites. And if you're buying something, obviously that was for bulk for a big project, but still, um, sometimes paying that ten percent difference, uh, especially if it's. To like an artist, and honestly, you'll probably save money uh, as a bonus. Oh yeah, oh yeah.
1: Um, any other questions, Julia? Do you have any questions before I dive into more of mine?
2: No, you go for it. I'm just enjoying this chat. I'm like really just soaking it all in. I'm living for it. So,
1: <laughs> okay, okay. So, um Nahani, what is your? You mentioned like a lot of different aspects, and with kind of like. Is it horticulture therapy? Am I saying that right?
0: It's horticultural, uh, which sounds really weird. But like we talked about it in my class. So horticulture therapy would be like doing plants, doing like therapy for the garden. So it's not necessarily not a thing. Mm-hmm. Horticultural. And that's what I'm studying. So I'm not a horticultural therapist yet. There is a registration process for that. Um, Mm -hmm. what I can do right now is therapeutic horticulture. I know it's like a jumble of all the same things, but it's really cool that they have the reverse so that if you're not registered, you can still garden with the intention and lead projects with the intention. Um, so we call that therapeutic horticulture. So that's what I'm able to offer until I, I have to also finish my bachelor's degree in order to get registered. So I'm working on both at the same time right now. Um, but yeah. And so That is my focus right now. I I love working with children. And so I'm thinking about, well, not thinking about, I think I've gone past the thinking about stage. I'm starting to design some online resources for kids to be able to do like indoor gardening projects, especially while they're in online in school. um, Because I think that a lot of kids just aren't getting that like activity-based simulation. So I want to design like some kits um, with, these kinds of things that I showed you, and have it be like the supplies come to their house, and then they can um, either just watch some pre-recorded videos or like live video chat with me. And I've been doing this with retired people at a uh, at an elderly community, uh, or elderly people at a retirement community, and it just started. But they seem to be really enjoying it, and it's working. It sounds so weird to like garden with someone over the internet, but then again with everything going on, there's not a lot of ways to offer this right now, um, directly. And so it's valuable to like meet the times. And I really think that kids right now, they're not necessarily consciously suffering. I think a lot of them are making the best of being at home. Um, but I think that there's a lot of opportunity for kids to be gardening and playing with nature you know, a lot of kids, like, want a pet really bad, and their parents like, no, you can't have a pet. Like, you are not going to take care of it. Well, like, a plant is way better. It's life. You can take care of it. But if it dies, it's not quite as traumatizing. But you also get to learn about, like, <laughs> death and about caretaking. There's so many skills that can be learned through taking care of plants. And whether it's flowers or something that's edible, or there are edible flowers. So that's one of the projects I want to do first. Um, so, yeah, I think... I'm enjoying working with the retired population, but I want to work more with children. Um, And yeah, I think I still really like doing like the bigger community projects, but they're not really a means of like income. So (laughs) I have to also, that's more like passion work of meeting people and networking, but I would love to it's hard to say i don't know what the future is going to look like so i'm trying to just accommodate and i'm like okay for right now because everyone's online i'm going to create some how-to videos that are kid friendly and then um potentially hold some like either group online like webinars or i am doing a free webinar on december 27th for like what is therapeutic horticulture and you guys are welcome to join um yeah so like Heck yeah out with people uh, a couple similar things we talked about today but i'm trying to like more just what is this and what does that look like? What is a healing garden versus just a garden? And so that's just general for the general public. So people aren't like, what is this? Um, so I got a lot of questions on my Instagram page. Like, what? What do you do? What is this? <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to do a webinar and explain it to people. But I would love to do more like one-on-one um, and... Being able to just, you know, meet us where we are now. If people are stuck at home and I can send them a little kit and they can do some microgreens or grow some flowers on their windowsill, so it's, uh, it's a small thing, but it can be a bigger thing. And I was thinking about like trying to get that together before the holidays so people could give it as gifts to other people. I'm not going to promise that that will happen, but I might try it myself at least like send a couple to a couple people and be like, how is this for a, a gift? Um, you know, be like, oh, including with this is an opportunity to video chat with me and I'll teach you how to plant this. So this whole year has been not what I expected. It's been about a year since I started this program and I was just expecting to like work at a nursery and go volunteer at schools and start community gardens. And that's not where we're at right now in the world, but I'm, I'm okay with it. With silver linings, I get a lot of reflective time get to nerd out in all those books and research papers that I wouldn't quite have time for if I was in person with people. And I think I'm really building mm-hmm. up the skills and I'm getting better at the Zoom and online thing. It's a little funny. <laughs> but yeah, so I I'm mostly just winging it right now. I feel like I've had the idea of Same. like some several- <laughs> businesses in the last few years last fall I was like I want to make hemp clothing I'm going to be a hemp clothing seamstress like that's going to be my thing for life and I started looking into it and I was like okay like handmade clothing is like a side project like you can't dedicate your whole life to that just because the way the world goes now of course in hindsight I'm like wow it's been a year and I really should have at least made some more things than these you know a few masks and like Started a pair of overalls. Haven't finished them. Um, that was my big dream was some overalls. And I still think that I'm going to do that at some point. But I am I like to put it on the the back burner, but still lit kind of like I go and stroke my hemp fabric and sometimes make like I made a couple masks more recently. But sometimes I think it's really valuable to like sit and just let ideas kind of, no, fester is the right word because that sounds negative.
2: Uh, marinate
0: marinade, germinate just give yeah. them their time yeah. and they come back around and i've just been like you know what i'm perfecting my uh pattern for my overalls even if i'm not using them every single day um so i love to sew and that's a big passion of mine but with this whole chaos going on i've just been like no i need to focus on what i can bring to the world and i think that will really help people in the maximum way. Like, what can I, I don't want to say, like, I want to do the least work. I want to, like, indefinitely do this work. But, like, how can I most effectively help people? And so I was like, wow, with everyone sitting online watching videos, why don't I just record some videos of how to do some basic stuff? And then people will learn from that. And, like, instead of trying to be, like, bummed that I can't go volunteer at some community center in their garden... I can just help people start. So it almost like there's a silver lining. that was like, oh, now maybe I'll connect with people more directly, even though we're far away. Because sometimes yeah. working and volunteering at a center is, you don't always get to know people. You're just a volunteer yeah. hanging out. So, And then yeah.
2: you can connect with people, you know, in New York or, you know, across the country or across the world when, you know, if you if you were just working in that community garden, which, I mean, there's definitely, like, a time and a place for that, for sure, because it's important. Um, but then you get to kind of spur community across the world, kind of, to be into all of this stuff, which is super cool, I think.
0: Yeah, I think with the, the global economy and the globalization we have to rethink community the definition Mm -hmm. of community is not quite the same i think of it as like a network um but it's not exactly that and i love local community so i love to dive into the local community when i'm in a place but i also don't want to invest myself too much in a local community when i'm always like bopping around still um so I think that it's really valuable to be able to build a community that no matter where I go I can be in touch with those people um so like in this area I have my like deep roots that I grew up with and some of my best friends that I still consider my best friends because we just we know each other and we have a lot of the same interests um, and that's really valuable to me but I even see that there's a little bit of an effect of like if I bop into town and I'm like hey I'm here you want to hang out like, they, like, totally want to see me, but I just, like, there isn't even time to do all this catch-up. We just, you know, we dive right back into how we would have, like, I would, I didn't leave, and so I get that vibe, but I also get this, um, they're almost, like, afraid, not afraid, that's a bad way to put it, but I can see them being, like, wary of, like, inviting me too much into, like, some thing, because then I might leave. Like, they're like, oh, do you want to volunteer at my garden? But, like, And I'll help out. But then it's like, I think people who are really invested in a local community, it's hard to have people that are passing through participate, you know, within a context that would be a role for someone to stay, like working at a school. Um, Like I think of being in Steamboat and um, being able to uh, work with the same kids for several years while I was in college, like really built these relationships with them and watched them grow as opposed to I've done babysitting since then, but it's been while I was traveling. And so it's just like these random gigs, which is fine. They're, you know, I get them from care.com and like I have my background check and these families are verified and like, it's super safe. I feel fine doing it, but I just don't have these same community ties with it. And so I miss that sometimes, but I'm also like, wow, care.com is awesome. And I have this community resource where I no matter where I am I can still be a babysitter and people don't have to necessarily call up all my references from some other place they can just look at people's comments on like oh she was great she did this with my kid. it was fun and so on care.com I talk about that I'm like I won't plop your kid in front of the tv we'll go outside and if it's raining we'll do some art and like people just flock to me for that they're like you won't put your kid in front of the TV. You'll actually hang out with them. And I'm like, that's just sad to me that there's so much babysitting going on where people are like putting the kid in front of the TV and pulling out their phone. Because to me, if you're doing childcare, like you're a role model (laughs) in that kid's life. Even if it's one day, I mean, there were people who watched me when I was one day randomly and I still remember them. And I remember what they said to me and how valuable that was. Um, you know, not extremely, but I have these ideas. And, you know, some of my mom's friends' kids that were older than me, I still remember, you know, they, they taught me something about the world. Um, and I think that that's really valuable. We, we're all role models to each other. And investing in community Even. is something we should do in a way where when we walk away, whether it be circumstantial or because we're just going our way, that we're not harming. Um, like if you invest in something it's like planting a plant and then like ripping it away like it's not necessarily going to do very well that that it's neighboring plants are like oh our our tree that was giving us shade because we're all shade loving plants like where'd you go um that's a little bit of an exaggeration but you know what I mean like I just think that it's valuable sometimes. I'm really not a big technology person, but I've really come to realize like, oh, I can do more. if I can consistently supply the same thing to people in the same context and manner. Like you guys podcast, you don't have to, even though you're roommates, you don't have to be in the same building to do this. Uh, That's pretty cool, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And yeah.
1: Yeah. I love, I love everything that you just talked about that, like, community especially now community is becoming so much bigger it almost has to be you know like we like going out to going to school out here in Utah you know you've got people who came out to Utah to go to school and then you've got people who are enrolled but living at home and so you've got classmates just across the U.S. and even international classmates and so you know we're we're creating this this sense of community that's so much bigger than just like your backyard you know and mm. and these relationships are so much more important than than just keeping it superficial
0: yeah and when we do get together in person i'm always an advocate for like in the garden kind of like doing something where us meeting in person is going to like have a positive effect even before covid i felt that way like i don't want to get together and just have coffee and sit at a coffee shop with my friends like i want to go for a walk in the park or even better, let's go like volunteer and plant trees. And like, I don't know, those are some obscure examples in terms of like, you don't have to go plant trees, but just being able to like, Oh, let's go collect leaves and press leaves together, like activity-based, um, doing the similar things. Like I said, that our ancestors did I think is really valuable um, in terms of like our mental health. There's a lot of research showing that too. Um, like, being outside is really important staring at a screen is not healthy for us but if we can monitor our time and balance that like it's not terrible if you're staring at a screen and then you go outside that's still better than uh like you can balance it out and I believe that I think that I don't know if the research is demonstrating that a lot I think there's a lot of like nature's good for you technology's bad for you um but I think we can like be like oh Well, these two can work together. How could I build community using this technology, build community with people, and then you can build community with nature and with other people locally, and it doesn't have to be the same. Uh, When I log on to Facebook, it's not the people that I saw yesterday that I see their posts. It's my friends from Europe and Australia and the Midwest And those are the ones that I end up liking and commenting on the most because I don't need to see the person who I met at the farmer's market last weekend's Facebook posts about the farmer's market. Even if I see it, I'm less likely to like it because I know the algorithm of if I like that, then I'm going to see all their stuff and they're like already here near me. And so if I'm going to meet up with someone in person, I don't want to have already heard about their whole week online. I want to like ask them about their week. So. And I get a little confused about that with the whole algorithms, but I try, you know, I still want to support my friends that I'm near, but I think about <laughs> like, building community. So I have like several Instagram pages now because I just like was, I have too many interests. So I have one about like hemp and hemp clothing and I have one about therapeutic horticulture. Um, and I have one about like, uh, I don't really know what the other one is. <laughs> it's I'm unsure. <laughs> combination of like gardening and sewing so it's kind of like a mix uh i've had that one for a while but i wanted to show you guys this i know that like other people listening can't see you can cut it out but this is called a hardy kiwi and oh, that's just like <sighs> but it's like a mini kiwi and they that grow- is oh so cute. it's and like a like, grape but it's a kiwi yeah, the great but it's a kiwi and they grow in the pacific northwest And I think you can grow them other places too. Maybe I'll cut it this way. You can see. Oh my gosh. You can eat the whole thing like a grape. It's my new favorite food. It's so good. I have never seen that. Look it up. So yeah, like there are so many plants that are edible that are not in our grocery stores. And a lot of the ones in our grocery stores are annuals. And so like farmers have to replant them every year. But I think it's really important to remember that our ancestors ate a lot of food that were perennials especially like way back when we were all migrating um, a lot more, moving around between like summer and winter homes, we just like on our little journeys in between places, um, we'd be like picking from trees and stuff like that. And that's survival food. And so, you know, if you are going to start a garden, like look into perennial plants because you don't have to replant them every year. You don't have to watch them die in the fall. You might think they're dying in the fall. They might look like it really interesting this year I learned that there are like some conifer trees like pines and stuff that actually are deciduous so they lose their uh leaves in the fall and I was like what like I just always thought that all conifers were evergreens no yeah um and so as much as yeah some perennials will lose their leaves there's something about watching like a plant come back to life and not having to like do all this work every spring to garden again this year. It's so much more inspirational. If you already have some things that are naturally popping up mm-hmm. um, and don't collect all of your like seed pod and seed things at the end of the year, and like throw them in a pile. Um, just let them, let some of them die out naturally because they'll naturally seed in the spring. You'll get some things, some volunteer stuff. Um. And I maybe you guys live in an apartment and stuff, and maybe your listeners do too. But like windowsill gardens, just little things, bringing nature inside is so 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 healing, and that's just what I want to promote: is people plant relationships and developing them and nurturing them. And I hope that I've inspired some people to do that. <laughs> and continue. I am personally inspired. <laughs> I'm well, so inspired. I have a little offer too. I have a lot of seeds. So if you ladies want me to send you guys some seeds for a little windowsill <gasps> garden kit, I can do that. <laughs> Please. Would you? I would. I can send you one of these little tray things too. Um, oh my gosh. And I would love to see you guys can let me know how that goes. You can be one of my, uh, Guinea pigs for by the mail. Uh, heck yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: Can we watch your, can we watch your videos for kids too? Because I need that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. You guys can let me know how they, how they are. I need some more (laughs) feedback. Uh, Cool. I appreciate that. That would be awesome.
2: Yeah. (laughs) And once you get like things up and running, like we would love to share. Um, We have a website for our podcast. And so, I can just, like, if you have, like, information or, like, links or whatever, I can totally just put that on our website so that people listening at home can go check your stuff out because I'm sure they're just as inspired as we are right now.
0: So. Well, for right now, I do have a Facebook page, which doesn't really okay. have anything on it, but, like, people can go there. It won't change. And that's yeah. Regenerative Mind Care. And then my Instagram is the same. Um And I can send you guys like how that's spelled. But it's like capital R, regenerative, capital M, mind, and then capital C, care. And so that comes out of like regenerative agriculture, something I didn't really like talk about much here. But like, that kind of speaks to that, like, are we maintaining the earth or like stewarding it? There's a little bit of confliction in the sustainability world of like, oh, sustainability is just about like maintaining the earth as it is and not like taking care of it and improving it. And so I love I think that that's a little bit like let's not bash the word sustainability because it's way better than destruction. But I do love the word regeneration and like regenerative agriculture because it speaks to like Mm -hmm. nurturing the planet and giving back to it most sustainable yeah. agriculture is regenerative agriculture. It's the same thing, but I just prefer that term of regenerative. And then since I'm applying that to like mental health and wellness, I did regenerative mind care. And Instagram is probably the place that I post the most. I'm definitely going to do some more Facebook stuff. I think I'm going to do a, a class on like Thinkific um at some point and I'll definitely let you guys know when I have a link to that but if people want to follow oh. me on Instagram that'll also be like networked through that so that's probably the best yeah. Source cool yeah, yeah. we'll cool. tag you
2: when when this episode comes out we'll tag you in all the posts and stuff so that people can go through our Instagram and and see your posts so
0: yeah just do that Instagram because my regular Instagram is private and I don't really okay. accept- as anyone, If you just need that one and like say that's me, That that's perfect. Perfect. <laughs> that well, thank you. Do you guys have any other questions for me? No,
1: or- I think that's a perfect note to end on. Yeah,
0: I think so too.
2: This is so good. Um, I uh, Do you have anything to finish out on, or is that you feel good about it?
0: No, I feel I- like I talked about so many things. I hope that it, I didn't talk too fast and it was. Not too many tangents, but I, I think it all comes back together to just connecting with nature and ourselves and our community. Yeah. And, and, I, and I mean, I was just going to say, that's how, that's how this
2: podcast goes. So if our listeners aren't used to it by now.
0: <laughs> I love it. I thought you guys talked about so many great things. Uh, I've only <laughs> listened to a couple of them, but that one about, it was like gold milk and Golden, something about golden looking compost that was my favorite one um oh, and then cool. the like compost <laughs> plug I don't know I didn't like quite finish that episode but I love vermicomposting which is worm bins and I really recommend looking into that you don't have to buy a big fancy like $200 worm bin um just like you can make one out of a couple bins And worms are my favorite animal, which sounds so weird to some people, but they make soil that (laughs) grows plants and then feeds us. So, worms are like bees, in my opinion, but they're not as threatened. So, like, we need to save the bees. The worms are fine. But also, I love worms, they're just (laughs) the best. (laughs) You must have. (laughs)
2: <laughs> you must have missed the part of the episode where celia discloses how much she <laughs> is terrified of worms
0: i did hear that no i did hear that but i didn't hear you guys talking about like worm castings i i forgot about that <laughs> and I, that, I think that's one of the reasons. Like, i have them that worms are my favorite animals <laughs> i think that's actually why i wrote that down. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's so funny you said that and I was like oh no
0: I hope she doesn't know that worms freak me out I mean, they're kind of weird honestly like I I'm not gonna say they're my favorite animal to like pet or hang out with you know (laughs) abstractly like from a distance my favorite animal I will pick them up I'm definitely not grossed out by them but I don't I'm not out like cuddling them and hanging out with them
2: <laughs> I have cat worm cat worm
0: yet? For them for their role in the environment um so maybe you're not one for having a worm bin in your house but maybe <laughs> <laughs> I, I I know that they
1: do like all the good in the world like I am here if, if the worms were in danger let, let's save the freaking worms but I'm, I'm, not, oh, a, I'm not a wormhole
0: yeah no <laughs> <laughs> you'll 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 like make a, a flyer for them and like post it on the the bulletin board <laughs> honestly cheer for you really from afar saving the worms then you know picking them up and touching them and moving around is not really going to help them they're not really mm-hmm. a creature that want to be touched and held and moved around their skin's really sensitive so that's that's really yeah. okay to not like <laughs> the, you know, as long as you're not out like stomping on them and you still respect them that's fine. that's I have no problem with that. I'm not upset. They're my favorite animal. (laughs) abstractly or far away from a distance. I like to leave them in the ground. So. That's where they belong. (laughs)
2: Awesome. Well, okay. On that note, I'm just going to end off with a plug unless anybody else has go for it speak now or forever hold your peace <laughs> um so obviously our guest today nahani was amazing we will post um before this a uh, cute picture of her on our instagram and then also when this episode comes out with the sound soundbite every friday um we'll tag her in it so that you guys can go um see her content check her out um can they DM you if they have any questions? Oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah, I'll okay. send you an email too. Um, Perfect. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, at this point, until I go legit, I'm even willing to like have a phone or video chat conversation with someone just to network if you are interested. Amazing. Uh, at some point, I hope I can charge for that. But get at me now <laughs> while well, it's free and I'm trying to practice. <laughs> right, so, so, so Utah
2: mayor that's uh, that's listening in 2050, That's <laughs> she's charging now. That's it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's going to have to be right. on the
0: waiting list. But, yeah. <laughs>
2: good stuff um yeah so definitely check that out on our instagram uh, g underscore four podcast um and then we've got a facebook page to good girls go green um and then you can email us as always good girls go green podcast at gmail.com and then our website is goodgirlsgo girls green podcast and we'll post nahani's you know information bio whatever on um you know that section of this episode as well so definitely check that out all right perfect cool. that's all cool. goodbye. You. Yeah. <laughs> goodbye
0: you're the dummy that don't believe in science written on your forehead always be denying you're the dummy that don't believe in science. Written on your forehead, always be denying. Hey, hey we got to say to. You.